You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We get you caught up a little later tonight with all the goings-on in the National Football League today. Also, Jacob DeGrom. While I was away, he left town. <laughs> but to be honest, I, I when I see what he got, I can't fault the Mets not matching that. That's a lot of years for a guy that's gave you 11 starts this year. That's a lot. You're, you're betting a lot on him if you're Texas. And he's got an option for an extra year? <laughs> wow. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Said back to you on the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Hey, Buddha in the Bronx. Uncle Larry Hardesty. <laughs> to steal a quote from the first original Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sir Alec Guinness. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. How you doing, my brother? <laughs> doing great, Buddha. How are you? I'm good, man. We missed you so much, man. We want to talk about it. I appreciate it. Um, I'm that. glad you got some rest and got to enjoy some time with your family because it was yes, well-deserved. Thank you, sir. All right. Let's talk a little Jets and let's talk a little Knicks. Uh, <laughs> uh, very I mean, little the Knicks, Jets I is not as bad as the Knicks. The Jets is not as bad as the Knicks. No, uh, no, no, listen. No. You know, look, LaFleur, uh, he took a step back as a play caller today, which has happened a couple of times. If you really notice, there's a trend with him. Uh, as soon as he gets a quarterback who can actually play, he becomes pass happy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he might need to do a happy medium between with Zach Wilson where, you know, look, don't throw the game away, don't do anything stupid, as opposed to where he goes to with uh, Flack or Mike White where it's like um, – I need you to throw for 400 yards every game. The, the, the 57 passes is ridiculous. And, you know, aside from Berrios dropping a pass, which he absolutely should have caught, you know, I know he feels bad about that. You know, you just ran for uh, uh, your first touchdown was a quarterback sneak where they pushed Mike White over the – you couldn't have done that again, mm-hmm. on the thir- at least on the third and goal. You know what I'm talking about, right before the yes. two-minute warning? Yep. At least yep. on the third one, give me one, give me one quarterback sneak out of those two plays. Just you know, it, it, it's disheartening the loss and everything. But I'm not gonna go crazy over it because, like I was telling um, you guy on the phones here, listen, if you just said seven to five, you know, at the start of the season, we'd be. If you just said seven wins at the start of the season, mm-hmm. you'd have been like, all right, that's improvement. So, you know, I can't kill him that much. Uh, just. I, I, I personally think that, you know, they need to win four out of these next five games just to make sure. You know, you don't want to start playing around, you know, because I think 10 could get you in, but 10 could also not get you in. You know, you know what I mean? In yep. terms of wins. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. All right. Let's talk about what I know is troubling you and a lot of, like, the Knicks fans is like the most loyal fans of any of these teams in the city, to keep it real. Uh, you know, it, it's it, – even the win today, when they win, is similar to like when Julius Randle has like a good offensive game from behind the arc. It always leads to like three poor games afterwards, and it's because it's an illusion, man. I mean, R.J. Barrett has he got paid and he's reached his ceiling, and it's not the roof. Uh, he's just he is what he is. You know, um, I'm not mad at him. He got paid and everything like that, but he's not even looking like a third best player, like he's almost looking almost like a role player. Like, you know what I mean? Oh my God. It's just, it's so frustrating to watch, man. I mean, Tibbs obviously is a dead man walking. You got Sims, Robinson, and what's the other guy, Hardenstein. 
all three of them are situational players. I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think in any team around the league you feel comfortable with any one of those guys starting as your center, which, you know, takes it back to the Julius Randle situation. I mean, I don't know. I know in the NBA you can't DFA anybody. But if Julius Randle's not going to play the the majority of his minutes at, at, at the center position, he's not going to have any athletic advantage over anybody else in the league who's playing the position he's playing. You got all these young guys, and, you you know, you spoke about it a thousand times. He's like, they're going to try to feature these guys. They're going to try to put them all in a trade. But their minutes are so inconsistent that their trade value diminishes day by day by day. And, you know, I don't understand, like, what the philosophy is. You know, somebody's got to take the lead and, 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 and say, look, this is what we're trying to do here. Trying to win to get to a play-in, to me, is a waste of time. It, 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 what is the point in that? And then all these guys are talking about, yeah, they should have made this trade for Donovan Mitchell. Now, you know basketball. Uh, if they had Donovan Mitchell on this team, whether they kept R.J. Barrett or not or traded away, the picks or whatever, what's he going to account for on this team as presently constituted? Three more wins? It's ridiculous. You have to tear the whole thing down. I, I personally, I would uh, listen. I sit down with Julius Randle. I'm like, look, bro, you're going to play the five. If you pout, if you have anything to say, we're sending you home. I'm not going to have you like hold my franchise hostage and you're some marginal player. That's number one. But besides that. It's like the goal should not be – you have to realistically look at what you got on your team and admit to yourself as the the manager, the coach – I don't know what they're going to do. But the object should not even be to try to reach the plan. I would play every single young guy at least 20-something minutes again. Win 25 games. You're better off like that. There's nobody coming here who's disgruntled who's going to request a trade here. They're only going to use you for leverage. you gotta, you got to get another player in the – you have to get an athlete. Yeah. Good guy. I mean, Obi Top is the only athlete on the team, and you don't even play him. It's just – you know, it's, it's like watching paint dry, bro. <laughs> it's bad, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. It really is. And, and it, it's so bad that, you know, they don't even push the basketball a lot. I mean, they tried to do it tonight a little bit, tried to push the basketball. But it's just it, it's it's just it's not enough talent. You've got multiple guys that play the same position. You've got about you know what you got about five or six guys that that play the the four, <laughs> five or six guys that play the four or the five, and they're all the same. So it's it's really frustrating to watch and. Listen, they're not going for the play-in. I mean, they're you know, I'm just saying when you look at this team the way it is, I'm saying to you, they they the way they're playing right now, the way they're playing right this minute. And listen, you know, schedule could they get a break in the schedule or they get hot and they put some things together or put some wins together and whatnot, and they look better. Maybe it's different. But this looks like a playing team to me. This doesn't. This is not. When you look at this Nick team, as it is right this minute, do you think this is one of the top eight team, best eight teams in the conference? No, no, no. You can't even fool yourself into thinking that way. And now you know uh, Jericho Sims. I like them. I understand that he may not. He's not 
maybe not be physical enough, but he, you know, he's an athlete. He's a guy that can jump. He's a guy that can get you some rebounds. I, you know, I. And where are they doing? And the players that don't play, how are their shortcomings? How are their, the holes in their game? How is the coaching staff or is the coaching staff doing anything to try to improve them? That's the question. Because, you know, you know what coaches always tell you? Well, you, you, we got to see what we see in practice. If we don't see some improvement in practice, you got to earn your playing time and so on and so forth. And I understand that. And I get that. In the perfect world, I get it. But I just don't, for me, I don't see where there's been any improvement with guys so that when you get when they do play, you can say, wow. Okay, you can see this, you can see this happen, you can see that happen. And it's crazy for us to be talking about this like they lost the game. They actually won. They snapped a five-game home losing streak with their 92-81 win over the Cavaliers. But it was it was just like it it, it was more of the Cavaliers lost than the Knicks won that game. In a sense, because you know the Cavaliers could play better. I mean, they shoot better than that. They've got some injuries, too. I get it. Jared Allen's out. Kevin Love finally had a bad game against the Knicks from three. I mean, normally he killed them from three. Just, just destroys them. Three normally does. But that's, you know, that's that's that wasn't the case today. Islanders are closing out with a 3 nothing win over Chicago. And by the way, this season marks the 50th anniversary of New York Islanders hockey, so to help celebrate, you know what we're doing? We're giving away tickets to the December 10th matchup against the Carolina Hurricanes at the UBS Arena. To enter, very simple. Download the free ESPN New York app, scroll down to contest, and submit your entry. It's brought to you by the New York Islanders. Hey, join in on the fun this season by grabbing your tickets at NewYorkIslanders.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. We'll come back. More of your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, how are you, Larry? How's it going? Everything's good, man. Um, What's happening? Good. Uh, I'm a, a frustrated Jets fan today. Okay. And uh, I usually am not. I don't expect them to do this good anyhow, so that's fine. I'm, dis- I'm kind of disgusted with the play calling. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. I listen to the Jets uh, post-game show all the time. Greg Buttle's famous words are, it's not the play, the plays, it's the people that are playing the game, okay? It's not the coaching, it's the players playing. Well, here's my deal with this. You're down in the whole game, you're down to the goal line four times by the fourth quarter. You have tried to run the ball four times, and you failed miserably, not throwing the ball once into the end zone. Now, as a coach, I was always told, you have to make adjustments. Don't you think, think on the fifth time, uh, like a, a, a play-action pass, a quick slant, something, they didn't even attempt that. It was the same plays over and over. To me, that's ridiculous. I, I just don't know. what I'm, I'm, like, frustrated with it. Well, I hear you, Kevin, and I, also, I hear what you're saying. And thanks for the phone call. And I understand your frustration. And I understand what Greg Butler is saying. Because there are times when teams know what you're doing. It's really about the execution of the play. And that's what Butler is saying. If you execute that play, 
whatever the play is called, and you do what you're supposed to do, and everybody does their job, the play's going to work. The play's going to work no matter how well you defend it. And, and so in theory, from a player's perspective, which is where he's coming from, as a former player, that's right. You as a fan are like, okay, can we do something else? And it's funny because you're talking about how they didn't run it enough and and they, you know, that they, they should have thrown it. And there's other people who think thought they should have run it. They should have run it. Um, it depends on what the defense they saw. And there were plays that, you know, the perfect example uh, of what Buddle's talking about is Braxton Barrios. Braxton Barrios catches that ball. We're not having this conversation. We're talking about, we're enthusiastic. We've got an eight-win Jet team coming off a big win in Minnesota. Okay, that that's what we're looking at in that situation. So that's an example of what Buddle is talking about. If, if Braxton Barrios makes that play, it's a different play. So I hear what you're saying, and it's based on what they saw defensively that they tried to do some things. It is usually very hard to throw, usually, the closer you are to the end zone because there's less area for defenders to cover. So now they have the ability to shut down different areas and to make it tougher for you. There's a constricted area. So you may have, sometimes you can have a defender defending almost two guys in the spot like that. But I do understand what you're saying. I do understand your frustration. And I know that you're looking at this and listen, <laughs> the Jets are frustrated too. Because this was a golden opportunity for them to pick up a win. They played well enough to win that game on the road. They did. But very simply, you cannot go one and six in the red, in the red zone and, and just come away with field goals. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't get one touchdown and, and six tries in the red zone. You can't. If you're able to get down there and he was zinging the ball all over the place, and I get it. Yeah, he should be a little different. You, you want to run the ball a little bit more. And here's the other thing, which is interesting to me. And I've sat here and I've called for it over and over again with Zach Wilson. I've said, well, how come they don't pick up the tempo? How come they don't do like a hurry-up offense? Do it with Mike White. Is that a further indictment on Zach Wilson? Is that further that he they don't like doing that with him? They don't like putting that in, in the repertoire for him. I, and I'm not saying they never do it. But it's very rare that you see it done. It's almost, and White handled it on multiple occasions today. Richard's in Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Hi, Larry. Two great games. I don't think I've ever remembered a Jet Giant game with so much riding on each, playing concomitantly, and being that exciting till the final play of each game, one in overtime. They were great. Man, I was so entertained today. It was great. I mean, unfortunately, they were at the same time, but, you know, I managed. But uh, they were great games. At the end there, I thought the Jets should have ran him the last two. I don't know. I just had that feeling. I couldn't fault anything else. And you're right. Berrios doesn't come up with that, but came up with that play there. We wouldn't be talking. But I would have ran it two times there. I just would have ran it, shoved it down there. You know, just keep going. Bring and get, just, just, I hear you, Richard. Bring just, it seemed like that one throw on third. 
There's no one even close. Mm-hmm. He just threw it away. I mean, that's awful. You can't throw the ball away on third down. You got to do something. Yeah. Put pressure on the defense or play option or something. And Larry, you read the post. Did you read today's post? Uh, Mike Vaccaro. He talked about New York athletes who went to another team. And they just look funny in their new uniform. <laughs> like Patrick um, Ewing in Seattle's uniform. Yeah, Patrick Ewing. But, you know, Patrick was older, and I know it looked – I mean, obviously the most obvious one would be Siva. Sure. Okay, because he's still – both times, but the first time yeah. especially, he had so much in the tank. Joe Namath, I mean, you know, he was almost done. He yeah. was done, actually. Frazier, he only had – he only oh, he played looked bad three. in the Cavaliers uniform, though. Yeah, he Sam really Huff, he went through uh, – Darrell Revis, I would say for sure. That was, and he still had a lot in the tank. There are a couple of guys that glaringly he didn't put in. He says, uh, "Let me know who you don't think." Who, who he, you know, he mentioned guys I even forgot about that went to other teams like Buck Williams, Brian mm-hmm. Leach. You know, I even forgot about those guys going to other mm-hmm. teams. But you know, those guys were, I think, pretty much done when they did go. So they were just hanging on, which I could understand. Now, the guy that I can think of right away who still had a lot in his tank, and he left here kicking and screaming. He wasn't in Mike. And Mike went through 30 guys, 30. Uh, the guy I thought first that he didn't leave in was Bobby Mercer, mm. right, when he went to the uh, Giants. Right. Remember right. when he was traded for Bobby Bonds? Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. he looked t- Yeah, he never wanted to go to the Giants. Another guy I would have mentioned, Richie, I go way back to Richie Garin when he left the uh, Knicks and went to the uh, St. Louis Hawks. Another guy, even though he stayed in New York, uh, going to the Mets, uh, Casey Stengel. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Him in the Met uniform, right, after all those years with the Yankees. Anyway, I thought it was a good article, but and he wants to know. He knows he left out, guys, so I'll, I'll give him a call or something and let yeah. him know that he left out. My, uh, Larry, always a pleasure. Thank right, you. Same here, Richard. It's going to be interesting watching uh, Jacob DeGrom in a Texas uniform, too. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Hopefully, for Yankee fans like my good friend Joe Leo, we won't be looking at Aaron Judge in a different uniform, but I, I, I'm just going to say this. The longer this takes, because I still believe that he's going to be a Yankee. I still believe that the Yankees will re-sign Aaron Judge. Now, all the stuff I'm reading is that they offered him eight years and other people are going to offer him nine. So I just, once again, my thought has always been that if the Yankees do not sign Judge, it's not money, it's years. That would be the thing that would hold them up. Because of the situation with Robinson Cano based after what happened with A-Rod. That when you have a player who has had some injury issues, but you're not really sure how Aaron Judge is going to age, right? Because you haven't seen an athlete like him in this t- in, in this era where you can just judge and say, okay, here's, here's what happens. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like that. Because this is a guy, I mean, you know, hits for average, hits for power, plays the field. I mean, you know. You're looking at possibly DHing him in the end of his career. He's got speed, can steal bases. But, I, you know, you're just not sure. So if you're talking about nine, ten years, I don't know if he's going to – I don't know if the Yankees are going to do that. I think the Yankees will do eight. I, I don't know that they're going to do nine or ten. I really don't. Uh, I'm very curious to see how that's going to turn out. We'll continue the conversation with you next. This is The Drive on 98.7 ESPN.
You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. And a large part of it was the fact that he was talking about opting out like so early. And for a guy who's had the injury history that he's had, especially over the past couple seasons, to talk about opting out when you haven't really been the same dominant player that you had been previously, I thought was pretty weird. So when he signed with Texas, I wasn't surprised that he wasn't here. I was surprised at the contract he got. Now that I was surprised at. And I get that you want to, you're trying to blow him out of the water, but I'm like, you were you were negotiating those numbers, five years, $185 million. I mean, he threw what, 64 innings, 11 starts this year. He missed the first four months of the season with shoulder injuries again. I mean, and you sign him for $185 million over five years? I, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I can't, I, I can't blame the Mets for not bringing him back for that. And there's even rumors and, and disagreements and discussion as to whether he even gave them an opportunity to match it. I mean, listen, look, when he was the best pitcher in baseball, which was, gosh, the back-to-back Cy Young Award years, I mean, he was just, he was unhittable. I mean, I, as a Met fan, will I miss him? Absolutely. And I'm very curious as to see how the Mets will replace him in their in their rotation. Uh I know that Verlander is their number one person. I get it. I understand it. And I understand why. Coming off another Cy Young Award. But for me, I'm uncomfortable having another 40-plus-year-old pitcher at the top of my rotation where I have two of them. And Scherzer, okay, struggled, broke down a little bit. Was injured during the season. Was not the same guy late. Was concerned about Scherzer because of what happened last season when he was in uh, with the Dodgers and had some issues and, and was not available in the postseason. But clearly, you know, I loved I loved having him here. But to have Verlander, and, and the other thing is, and I'm just going to say it, Pitchers are great in Houston. They're not always great when they leave Houston. I don't know whether it's philosophy. I don't know whether it's, you know, uh, stuff they do down there. (laughs) I don't know what it is. But I'm not guaranteed that he's going to be the same guy as dominant down there as he was, you know, as dominant here as he was down there. And I 
Garrett Cole is my number one example. Okay? And Garrett Cole has not been terrible. He's not been terrible, but he hasn't been as dominant as he was in Houston. And I know the Yankees were looking at him when he was in Pittsburgh. They were interested in him. But he, it, it's so, I, I and plus it, eventually he's going to break down. So I, I, you know, I'm much more of a Rodon person. I would rather have him. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of teams want him as well. I don't know what the deal is with Chris Bassett. I've kind of soured on him. I don't know if he's, I mean, the last couple of outings in the post, in the regular season, he was not good. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> okay, but I just know that I gotta see what they're going to do to fortify this rotation. I know they've got some people here. They got Tyler McGill here, you've got Peterson here, you've got you know, you still have Taiwan Walker, who's a free agent that you can bring back. So you 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 have options. There's no question you have options. And I still think they need another bat. You know, so I'm I'm very curious to see what the Mets are going to do. But the main thing is right now is they have to and and you know I hope they bring up the young catcher because I think McCann is, you know, he's not going to be. I I wouldn't have him as my number one catcher this year. I, I'm ready to see what the kid can do. You know, I just am. But uh, as I mentioned before. Um, I'm I'm very if I were a Yankee fan I'd be very concerned right now. I would be. Time is not that time is ticking away, but you you made the offer and it's like okay. <laughs> so you made me an offer. What do you what do you think I'm going to do? Jump right at it? I'm investigating some other offers. And I agree, you know, Jolie and I were talking about it during the break. I think the Yankees, either they, if, it, if it's years and you're uncomfortable, then front load it. The bottom line here is the race is to you getting him and winning while he is effective in his prime years. He is in his prime years right now. So for me, you've got the next three to four years of the best of Aaron Judge to win a title. But the other thing that you have to understand realistically as a Yankee fan is you've got to improve other spots on this roster too. You have some other decisions to make. Okay, what's going on with Gleyber Torres? Are you keeping them or are you moving them? What's happening in the outfield? What's going on? Are you able, do you have the team the depth to to win a World Series. Ultimately, the question is, are you, what has to be done with this team that you're better than Houston? That's the main, that's the main question because they have blocked you time and time again, regular season and postseason. What do you have to do to make your team better than the Houston Astros because they stand in your way. And I know Toronto's going to be a year better and Tampa's going to come up with something that they're going to tax you in your division. Baltimore improved last year. We'll see if, if that's a, 
you know, an anomaly or is this something that they're working towards and they're eventually getting better? I mean, you handled Cleveland rather easily. It's Houston that stands in your way. What are you going to do? What has to be done with this Yankee roster that will improve you talent-wise, production-wise, where you're not just a strikeout team that hits home runs? What has to be done? Who's your closer next year? Can Severino pitch a full season finally for you? There's a lot of questions this Yankee team has. A lot of questions. I mean, I know you signed IKF. You know, uh, are you bringing up one of the shortstops? What are you doing at third? It's it's a lot. It's a lot. So, yes, it's, it's important for them to re-sign Judge, obviously. But they've got a number of other questions on this roster to get some things done. A number of other questions. We'll continue the conversation on The Drive next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. And the offensive line had trouble dealing with what Minnesota's defense was bringing to the table, but I'm saying second half was totally different. Second half was different. And the impressive thing for me was how Mike White threw the football. And once again, once this season is over, the Jets will have to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. And I know that Jimmy Garoppolo was a very popular topic and option for the Jets, but now that he's out with a broken foot for the rest of the season, uh, you know, that's, might take him off the board for the Jets. I don't know. And once again, I don't know that the Jets are ready to just say we're done with Zach Wilson. I don't think they are. But I will say this. They're done with him for this season. There's no way that you bring him back. And here's what they did, which was real interesting was not only did they bench him, but the fact that they deactivated him means that after a loss like this, you weren't going to go back to him. If Mike White struggled, you weren't going to have a scenario where, okay, we got a quarterback controversy we're going, we're going back and forth and back and forth. They made the decision that this is Mike White's team. And if Mike White gets hurt, then they're going to Joe Flacco. Fumble recovery for Dallas for a touchdown. They're now pulling away 34-19, a little over 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, extra point pending as Ali Cox fumbled. So, listen, that, that means something to me. And so I hope that, you know, Michael LaFleur is saying the right things. Well, you know, he's handling it as well as he could. We're seeing some improvement in practice. He's running the scout team. And so we're seeing this, we're seeing that. Okay. I get it. That's what you're supposed to say. Okay. I, I understand. But for me, 
what shows on the field. When anybody wearing those Zach Wilson t-shirts? <laughs> Getting on the plane. <laughs> Nobody was wearing that. The confidence is building with him on this roster. And it's his play. It's his style of play. Okay, and once again, I'm not saying that he's the next great thing. I'm not saying that he is your number one quarterback going forward. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is he has done a, over the first two games, a win and a loss. He has done a very nice job in putting you in position for you to be able to win the game. Okay, for you to be able to win. Yes, he threw two interceptions today. The first one, that the second one on the last play of the game, he's got to go for He's got to go into the end zone. You get it? But once again, for me, this Jet defense has gone leaps and bounds in improvement. And look at what they were able to do. Even after they didn't make it on fourth down the first time, okay, when Braxton Berrios dropped the ball on fourth down, The Jet defense got the ball back. The Jet defense got the ball back with them for a minute, with a minute 30 left. I mean, it's an eternity. I mean, one, two, three. I mean, it was it, this defense is physical. They play together. And they've got a bunch of injuries on this defense, and still they do a nice job. So I'm very if if I were a Jet fans, I would be very encouraged. And just as a as a person that's covered this team for a number of years, this is the most consistent defense I've seen them play since the back-to-back AFC Championship years. Where you could say, okay, we're going to go for it on fourth down and pin them back because I trust my defense will not give up a, a first down here. And that's the Bart Scott, Chris Jenkins... Darrell Rivas, Antonio Comardi defenses of 09 and 10. Where you knew what was, where they just shut you down. And you look at what they were able to do. Okay, you look at the stats. Okay, go go, go down there and look what, what they were able to, I mean, Kirk Cousins set a record for missing his first five passes he couldn't. He he didn't have. You know he couldn't complete his first five passes. That's a record for him to start a game. But look at what the Jet defense did. As far as the offense for Minnesota, Jefferson seven receptions, forty five yards, and a touchdown. Okay, and he made some plays. Give him credit. He's got great hands because the Jets knocked him around. He did not give up the ball. Hawkinson, four receptions, 33 yards. Thielen, two receptions, 27 yards. I mean, he was a rumor. Was he even at the game? Two receptions? I don't even remember where the two receptions were. And for you to hold Jefferson to seven receptions for 45 yards? I mean, he's he's a big play receiver, you know. I mean, he's a big play guy. 
They did a great job. And very quietly, Gary Wilson is a guy that's, man, he's a guy that's really making a name for himself. Eight receptions, 162 yards today. That's, that's production, my friend. And they kind of shut him out in the first half. Corey Davis with some big receptions, five receptions, 85 yards. He had a couple of big plays. Uh, Johnson Huzama had one big catch for 31. And this kid, Bam Knight, receiving and running the ball, he's making the name for himself. He is. He is. So you like what you see potentially from this Jet team from an offensive standpoint. You love what they do defensively, and you like what you see from them offensively. But once again, when we sit and look with all the the positives, the positives that we have, okay, for them, the positives, that's what we've been talking about. The bottom line here is you can't go three of 16 on third down, and you can't go one of six in the red zone as far as touchdowns are concerned. You can't do it. Minnesota's three of three. Jets are one of six. That's where you lost the game. That's where you lost the game. You get one other touchdown. We're having a totally different conversation. But now what you do, if you're the Jets, you put this game behind you. And now it's about facing a very, very tough Buffalo Bills team who may have Von Miller returning defensively after the injuries that he suffered and has missed the last couple of games. And, you know, you've got your offensive line. Now, Fant came back today. He was a little rusty. Now he gets, you know, he's been practicing the past two weeks. He got a game under his belt. Hopefully he'll be better, you know, and and be more up to playing speed next week. And for you to play against the Bills, you're going to have to put sevens on the board. I mean, you can't expect to just hang tight and and think, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll just threes, threes are okay. Threes, threes, threes. You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. You've got to be able to find the end zone. And I think they will make some adjustments. But to do that, you got to be able to run the football. And teams are going to take the run away from you. Now, they are not going to be as so quickly to <laughs> make you pass the ball because Mike White is a more consistent passer than uh, Zach Wilson. And that's clear. You've seen that already. But got to be able to run the football. You got to have a little more, ba- little more balance. That's what you need. And that will clearly help you out because you need this win. It's a divisional win. I know it's tough to beat them twice in one year, but you need to win that game. You do. We'll continue the conversation with you on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. And the offensive line had trouble dealing with what Minnesota's defense was bringing to the table, but I'm saying second half was totally different. Second half was different. And the impressive thing for me 
was how Mike White threw the football. And once again, once this season is over, the Jets will have to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. And I know that Jimmy Garoppolo was a very popular topic and option for the Jets, but now that he's out with a broken foot for the rest of the season, uh, you know, that's might take him off the board for the Jets. I don't know. And once again, I don't know that the Jets are ready to just say we're done with Zach Wilson. I don't think they are. But I will say this. They're done with him for this season. There's no way that you bring him back. And here's what they did, which was real interesting, was not only did they bench him, but the fact that they deactivated him means that after a loss like this, you weren't going to go back to him. If Mike White struggled, you weren't going to have a scenario where, okay, we got a quarterback controversy. We're going, we're going back and forth and back and forth. They made the decision that this is Mike White's team. And then Mike White gets hurt, then they're going to Joe Flacco. Fumble recovery for Dallas for a touchdown. They're now pulling away 34-19, a little over 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, extra point pending as Ali Cox fumbled. So, listen, that that means something to me. And so I hope that, and, and, you know, Michael LaFleur is saying the right things. Well, you know, he's handling it as well as he could. We're seeing some improvement in practice. He's running the scout team. And so we're seeing this, we're seeing that. Okay. I get it. That's what you're supposed to say. Okay. I, I understand. But for me, what shows on the field, wasn't anybody wearing those Zach Wilson t-shirts? <laughs> Getting on the plane. <laughs> nobody was wearing that. The confidence is building with him on this roster. And it's his play. It's his style of play. Okay, and once again, I'm not saying that he's the next great thing. I'm not saying that he is your number one quarterback going forward. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is he has done a, over the first two games, a win and a loss. He has done a very nice job in putting you in position for you to be able to win the game. Okay, for you to be able to win. Yes, he threw two interceptions today. The first one, that the second one on the last play of the game, he's got to go for He's got to go into the end zone. You get it? But once again, for me, this Jet defense has gone leaps and bounds in improvement. And look at what they were able to do. Even after they didn't make it on fourth down the first time, okay, when Braxton Berrios dropped the ball on fourth down, The Jet defense got the ball back. The Jet defense got the ball back with them for a minute, with a minute 30 left. Oh, that's an eternity. I mean, one, two, three. I mean, it was it, this defense is physical. 
they play together. And they've got a bunch of injuries on this defense, and still they do a nice job. So I'm very if if I were a Jets fan, I would be very encouraged. And just as a as a person that's covered this team for a number of years, this is the most consistent defense I've seen them play since the back-to-back AFC championship years. Where you could say, okay, we're going to go for it on fourth down and pin them back because I trust my defense will not give up a, a first down here. And that's the Bart Scott, Chris Jenkins, Darrell Rivas, Antonio Comardi defenses of 09 and 10. Where you knew what was, where they just shut you down. And you look at what they were able to do. Okay, you look at the stats. Okay, go 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 down there and look what what they were able to. I mean, Kirk Cousins set a record for missing his first five passes. He couldn't. He he didn't have. You know, he couldn't complete his first five passes. That's a record for him to start a game. But look at what the Jet defense did as far as the offense for Minnesota. Jefferson, seven receptions, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Okay? And he made some plays. Give him credit. He's got great hands because the Jets knocked him around. (laughs) And he did not give up the ball. Hawkinson, four receptions, 33 yards. Thielen, two receptions, 27 yards. I mean, he was a rumor. Was he even at the game? Two receptions? I don't even remember where the two receptions were. And for you to hold Jefferson to seven receptions for 45 yards? I mean, he's he's a big play receiver. You know, I mean, he's a big play guy. They did a great job. And very quietly... Gary Wilson is a guy that's, he's a guy that's really making a name for himself. Eight receptions, 162 yards today. That's that's production, my friend. And they kind of shut him out in the first half. Corey Davis with some big receptions, five receptions, 85 yards. He had a couple of big plays. Uh, Johnson Huzama had one big catch for 31. And this kid, Bam Knight. Receiving and running the ball, he's making the name for himself. He is. He is. So you like what you see potentially from this Jet team from an offensive standpoint. You love what they do defensively, and you like what you see from them offensively. But once again, when we sit and look with all the the positives, the positives that we have, okay, for them, the positives, that's what we've been talking about. The bottom line here is you can't go three of 16 on third down and you can't go one of six in the red zone as far as touchdowns are concerned. You can't do it. Minnesota's three of three. Jets are one of six. That's where you lost the game. That's where you lost the game. You get one other touchdown. We're having a totally different conversation. But now what you do, if you're the Jets, you put this game behind you. 
And now it's about facing a very, very tough Buffalo Bills team who may have Von Miller returning defensively after the injuries that he suffered and has missed the last couple of games. And, you know, you've got your offensive line. Now, Fant came back today. He was a little rusty. Now he gets, you know, he's been practicing the past two weeks. He got a game under his belt. Hopefully he'll be better, you know, and and be more up to playing speed next week. And for you to play against the Bills, you're going to have to put sevens on the board. I mean, you can't expect to just hang tight and and think, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll just threes, threes are okay, threes, threes, threes. You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. You've got to be able to find the end zone. And I think they will make some adjustments. But to do that, you got to be able to run the football. And teams are going to take the run away from you. Now, they are not going to be as so quickly to <laughs> – make you pass the ball because Mike White is a more consistent passer than uh, Zach Wilson. And that's clear. You've seen that already. But got to be able to run the football. You got to have a little more, ba- little more balance. That's what you need. And that will clearly help you out because you need this win. It's a divisional win. I know it's tough to beat them twice in one year, but you need to win that game. You do. We'll continue the conversation with you on 98.7 ESPN.